thing. Like, who saw COVID-19 coming, right? You can look back and say, no, I remember the Sunday we sat in a service and we made a covenant together that we're going to do God's work in this place. And so that's why we bring some ceremony and some richness and some substance to the day of installation. So I'm going to ask your pastor to join me up here uh, over on this side, if you would, pastor. And and he's coming. Let me just take a, a personal moment to say that uh, it's a real joy to be installing a friend. So often the district superintendent and I work with churches as they go through pastoral transition, and we don't necessarily know the people that we're recruiting and interviewing and uh, bringing to this district. We get to know them through that process, but we don't really know them for a while. But I've known Pastor Matt for a long time, and I can tell you he loves the Lord, he loves God's Word, He loves the Church of the Nazarene, and he loves the Colorado District, and I can tell you he will love on you as your pastor. So, Pastor, we want to convey some symbols on you this morning. I have some uh, church members that are going to help us with that, if they would come forward, and uh, the symbols are laying right there for you. This is indeed a time of transition, Pastor, and uh, we have a book that they'd like to present to you this morning that talks a little bit about that. Pastor, we are very excited about your coming, and I know that I am. Lamentations 3 says that the Lord's mercies and compassions never fail, but rather they are new and fresh every morning. So, receive this book on new beginnings for a pastor and the congregation. We welcome you to bring fresh eyes to our church and our community, and may you see us as the Lord does with new mercies every day, and new and fresh eyes as to what God can do among us. And Pastor, I've already told them that you love the Word, but I think this church does too, and they'd like to present you with a copy of God's Word this morning. Good morning. I'm sorry I missed you last week. I was out of town. Uh, Pastor Matt, uh, we confer this Bible upon you. The Scripture refers to it as the sword of the Lord. Uh, It's the Lord's living word. It's powerful and it penetrates our hearts. Um, It it brings us uh, into the very presence of the Lord. And that word will never be trite um, and it'll never be surface level stuff. It's good stuff that transforms us. And a lot of us have been at it for a long time and we're still in process. And it's the word that does that. Um, In John Wesley's words, um, be thou a man of the book. I believe God sent us the right man. Blessings to you. And then, Pastor, you've been called not only to lead, but also to serve. And we've got a symbol of that servant this morning. Pastor, we confer to you this gift of a towel. In John 13, 4 through 10, it says that Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer cloak, and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin, and then he washed his disciples' feet and dried them with a towel. Pastor, please receive this towel and be to us as Jesus was to those whom he served and who he gently and humbly brought cleansing and refreshing. 
His disciples said in another place, Sir, we would see Jesus. In being Jesus to us, we will see the gospel incarnated, and we will be persuaded to be Jesus' followers. And just as Jesus washed the dirty feet of the disciples, we so desperately need for you to offer washing for the places in our lives that need cleansing. And then, congregation, we want to give you a chance to participate with your new pastor this morning. So we have a responsive reading that will highlight the covenant agreement that we're making with the pastor this morning. I'll read the leader's slides and have you read the slides labeled for the people. Jesus said to us in John, He goes before his sheep, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And before I call the pastor down and we say a prayer uh, over your pastor and his wife, and we'd love for his daughter to be with us and the board to step in behind them, I want to give the church just a simple charge. Uh, We've been through some unusual days, and I'm calling the church to rise up. Don't stay down. Rise up. Don't stay down. Uh, About 100 years ago, um, the church went through this previously. We have this uh, manual. We have a... uh, a journal in our office, and it goes back to 1909, of all the conventions we had over 100 years ago. And um, our founder, who happened to be uh, a marvelous, magnificent preacher of the word, Dr. Phineas Brzee, started this district, and now we have 70 churches across the state of Colorado. But in 1919, there was a report 
that the churches had all closed for three months. Of course, you know about the Spanish flu. We've been closed now for about three months. Now we're getting back together. But they said the church got back together. They did the work of the church. They began to reach people for Jesus. And again, the church saw new growth, new starts, new vitality across the state of Colorado. And so I'm saying to the church, rise up. Don't stay down. Leonard Sweet said, the problem is not that the church, that people don't go to church today, but it's that the church doesn't go to the people. The second thing I want to say to you is rise up, O church. Be the revolution. Be the revolution. We're hearing a lot about revolutionary things, right? And, you know, it's, it's uh, disheartening. But there was, there's a great scripture, and it says, Who are these that have turned the world upside down? In Acts, 1, in Acts 17. And here's what I want to see. I want to see a church turn its area upside down. And that they be known for the revolution. Um, and we're hearing a lot about the revolution that is going on today and the racism that, that uh, people are promoting these days or, or saying that uh, that is the consideration of this day. But the fact of the matter is, folks, really, our true home is the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and love perfected in the life of the believer. There should be no racism in the church, but here's what Jesus said. If you and I are filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll love everybody. Amen? And so... Don't get sidetracked to something else. Preach the gospel of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and people will love as Jesus loved, neither Scythian nor free, male nor female, black or white, Gentile or Jew. The true home of the church is love, and love perfected in the heart of the believer. And, then I, and so I say, rise up, O church, don't get sidetracked. Uh, there was a revolution called the Bolshevik Revolution. The uh, Russian Orthodox Church was meeting in one of their stately churches. And while they were meeting there, what they were doing was they were having disagreements as to the vestments and uh, the, uh, the robes that the priests were wearing and who had the right to wear what color, which color, uh, which indicated what level or stratification or hierarchy of leadership on the very steps of that church. People were being murdered by the Bolshevik Revolution because the church got sidetracked into something other than the gospel. And here's all I'm saying to our churches today. Don't be sidetracked. And here are the words. The words are this. Rise up, O church of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart, mind, soul, and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O church of God. His kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and in the night of wrong. Rise up, O sons of God, the church of you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task. Rise up, make her great. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod as followers of the Son of Man. Rise up, O church of God. Amen. That's my charge to you and to all of our churches. We have 70 across the state of Colorado. I pray we'll rise up from this COVID, from the revolutions we're seeing from all of these things, get back to the true gospel, reach the people for Christ. Pastor, if you and your wife, if Kennedy would like to join you, uh, I'd ask that you would come and kneel. And uh, I would ask the board to come and step up behind uh, your pastor. If they will kneel here and the board will come and lay hands on them. If anybody else would like to come, you just want to be a part of this prayer time, uh, you're certainly welcome to step in behind the, pa behind the board. 
lay hands on the board if you'd like to do that. If you don't want to do that, would you please stand? And would you do this for me? Would you just put your hands forward as though you are putting your hands, your blessing on them, and uh, that you want to give them the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ as they take this, assume this new role of leadership. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Pastor Matt. I know his heart from a long time. I've observed him and watched him and have been impressed with the gifts and the skills and the spiritual gifts that you've given him and the strengths that you've given him. And uh, above all, I love, his, I love his heart that loves the Lord Jesus Christ and loves the Word of God. And I thank you for him. And I thank you for leading him here. And, and what, a, what, a, what a beautiful thing it was as I began to sense the fingerprint of God, as he began to sense the fingerprint of God, as the board began to sense the fingerprint of God, and then you placed a call on him to come. I believe there are great days lay ahead. You're going to do a new thing here. Now I pray, O oh Father, may the oil of anointing pour and pour and pour and never stop, cease, never cease from pouring onto his heart onto his head, give him innovative ideas that he will be surprised himself. My, where did that come from? And it's from the Spirit of God and as he leads the people. We pray for Jackie. We pray for the ministry that she has. And we pray that this will be the time of her life as a pastor's wife. And then we pray for Kennedy and the other children that they have that are not with them today. Bless their lives uh, as, as pastor's kids as they walk through this time. And then I pray, O oh Father, that there'll be a communication, there'll be a quick connectivity of heart between Pastor Matt and the shepherd, as the shepherd of his flock. And then show your fingerprint here beautifully, gracefully, graciously. And may this church be dubbed as who are these people that have turned this Woodland Park world upside down because it's a revolution of God coming to this place. We accept it, we believe it, we claim it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We have, I believe, a short song. And then, Pastor Matt, I welcome you, and I present you to your church. Stand up. Yeah, you're going to want to stand for this. You're going to want to stand for this one. Those feet that we woke up earlier, they're awake again. <laughs> Make sure everybody's got it. Do we have our, yep, there he is. We're going to pause for a commercial break. <laughs> there we go. There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. 
got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I've got a heart overflowing. want to stand, don't you? good there all right we have sound well it is good to see each of you today thank you for being a part of this I want to thank Kevin and and uh, our assistant district superintendent and our DS Dave Ralph what a great time what a great job they did together also oh, I just happened to see uh, some friends uh, from Gerard Kansas a board member I just had there uh, hello will and family from uh, from out there <laughs> Uh, it's great that we are a family in Christ Jesus, amen? It's great that we know the Lord. It's great that we can move together in joy, old church choir or not, <laughs> that we can do this together. And as, as we were talking this morning, and actually one of the great things that, I mean, just God was speaking to me is, and as I was thinking about what Reverend Ralph was telling us, uh, just uh, how we are moving forward together in the Holy Spirit, I thought, wow, Lord, you have done a great thing again, because that's exactly the direction. And regardless of the fact that, you know, as he was saying, I'm not the tallest, and I'm not the best looking, and I'm not the smartest, and they found me on a hill somewhere in Kansas, uh, that's okay, because God brought me here, amen? 
<laughs> and so as we move forward together, as we get to this next chapter together, we have to do it in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm convinced 110% this has to be done in the Holy Spirit. As, if, as I was preparing and I thought I had a whole different sermon, I, I didn't think I did have a whole different sermon prepared as I was thinking about it earlier in the week. And God just kept impressing on me, no, that's not the direction I want you to go. That might sound a whole lot more fun. That might sound like a whole lot more easy and more fluffy and easy as we're moving to forward on this first Sunday, so to speak, in our installation. But that's not what I want you to say. What needs to be said today is we need the infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit or this just isn't going to work. Amen? If we're going to see success in this new chapter at Woodland Life Center, it will only happen in the power of of the Holy Spirit. We need that joy that we just sung about, right? I mean, people take themselves so seriously today, don't we? Oh, man, I mean, you say one thing, and boy, I can get offended so easily, right? It just seems that way in our, in our culture, in our world. Just one little minor mishap, and oh, man, that's not the way it, it should be in the church. That's not the way it should be with us. And, and you may ask, well, what is it that allows us to just, you know, be able to just kind of have that oil, so to speak, between even differing personalities, that, that thing that just smooths off the rough edges of our personalities? What does that within the church? Nothing more, nothing less than the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of something that uh, our district superintendent just said earlier. He talked about it. But back in 1908, this denomination came together. Uh, from East Coast, West Coast, North, South, all these different cultures, all these different areas. And they met at a place called Pilot Point, Texas. And they were under this huge big tent, which is a beautiful symbolism, so to speak, because the Church of the Nazarene is a big tent. But here's what I'm going to say beyond that is that it, we had just come out of a divisive time in our, church, our, in our history, not only within the nation, but within the church. North and South had fought against each other, brother against brother, and, and there was blood not only in the streets but in the fields, and it was painful and it would hurt and it was bad. But here was the thing. They hear these people from all of these different areas of the country that came from all these crazy different backgrounds, whether it be Methodist or Episcopalian or Quaker or Baptist, all these different background said, you know what? We're coming together, and here's the reason why. Because the Holy Spirit is doing something new, and we're going to call it the Church of the Nazarene. I believe that God is still up to something new in these days. I, I want to tell you that although I take very seriously what God has called me to do, my calling, I don't take myself very seriously. As a matter of fact, I will just tell you right up front, and you can ask uh, uh, those actually who are here from uh, a long ways away. I said this my first Sunday. Uh, often, I'll say it often, as, you, as, uh, as we go through uh, this time as God is moving us together and joining our hearts together. But this is the truth, that I am nothing. But Jesus is everything. I am nothing but Jesus is everything. And that sounds really good. That sounds nice, doesn't it? But I'm telling you, the only way that I can say that and actually deliver that on a daily basis is with the power of the Holy Spirit living within me. I am nothing, but Jesus is everything. 
So today I want to say we need to keep in step with the Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it begins in verse 13. We, we read these words, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That's a good news for each one of us. We were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I have free, we thank God here in America, we can, we're free whether, you know, it may not seem like it sometimes that you can say whatever you want or you, you can share your beliefs, but I'm telling you, we still have the freedom to share our beliefs here in the United States. And we have this great freedom, but here's what Paul is saying to us. You better use that freedom responsibly. You better use it in a sense that it's understood that Jesus comes first. And serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. May it never be so in the church. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the f- flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. We see this all around us. We can see it on TV, wherever else. It's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And now you need a bath, I know. But, but here's the thing. is I'm telling you, this is not what we are to look like within the church. And he goes on to say, Paul... I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love this portion of Scripture, and as we are reminded again of that portion that says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. I want to remind you this morning, whoever you are, every person around the world, we were created to be free. It's in our Constitution, but guess what? Our forefathers, as wise as they were, did not come up with this idea. It's God's idea. And that's why we're understood as one nation under God. We are free moral agents. We are free, and we have free will. And think about this. Before there was sin in humanity, before we even, even our first parents ever knew what that word meant, sin, before that time, there was freedom. Think about that. Many debate the idea of whether or not God should have made us free moral agents because, you know, if he would have he put some type of restraint on us, then maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in the mess that we are in now. And, and maybe so, but the problem with that is if God would have put a restraint on us from the beginning, guess what? We would have never experienced pure love. And to the right of you is a symbol of pure love. 
1 John 4.10, it says this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's a lot wrapped up in that verse. First, it affirms that God is love. God is the definition of love. We are not the definition of love. Amen. We can define love in the strangest of ways, but God, uh, he is the definer of pure love. Self-sacrifice, self-denial, which is displayed in, in how Jesus sacrificed himself for us. If we didn't understand that well enough, he tells us again in these words in Scripture. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is love. And one person said to us, and we, this was during a meeting that we had as pastors, and he was trying to define for us what it means, what this pure love looks like, what it, what is it all about, and he's talking about holiness, and he's talking about, uh, you know, this perfect love of our heart, and, and in the midst of it, he says to this group of us, just pastors there, he says to us, you know what, I want you to know that you probably think that you know pure love because your spouse, maybe your wives, they, they love you so much and, and it's so good. But he says, I want to tell you this, your wife is not your best friend. And everybody there was looking at him like, what in the world are you talking about? I mean, kind of, one person even says, yes, she is. My wife is my best friend. It was a small group of us pastors and, and this leader who was speaking. Yes, my, she is my... And this guy, I mean, he had been around a while. He says, we've been married for 42 years. This, she is my best friend. Speaker said, no, she isn't. <laughs> he said, I'll prove it to you. And he said, okay. You could tell the guy was a little bit upset. And, and he said, well, let me ask you this. He said, do you have a dog? He said, yeah, I, actually, I do have a dog. He said, okay. He said, I want you to put your wife and your dog in the trunk of that car that you have out there for 15 minutes. Go back after 15 minutes, open it up, and see which one is happy to see you. That is your best friend. <laughs> Think of, don't actually do that, okay? <laughs> I'd like to be here for a while. Did you hear what he said? Do you want to know who loves you unconditionally? Who loves you more than anything else in the world? It's not your dog. I'm going to tell you this eternally and perfectly. The one who loves you the most is our Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture show us the picture of perfect love. This picture shows us that when perfect love is mocked, when it is spat upon, when it is beat up, when it is stabbed, when it is threatened, when it is humiliated and brought to face its own death, that true love, only the love that's generated in Jesus, will rise again and say, I love you. One who loves you the most is the one who will stretch out his arms and surrender to you. The one who loves you the most is the one who will be verbally forgiving you even as you laugh at him. The one who loves you the most is going to be the one who's going to die for you knowing that you should have been the one on the cross. Our Lord Jesus Christ surrendered his rights because he loves me and you. What a good, good Savior. Amen? With that knowledge, we can begin to understand John 15, 12 just a little bit better when he says, my command is this, love each other. Does love take on a different 
shape then as you're thinking of it through the perspective of who Jesus is, the author and the definer of love? Greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. I, I've not mastered this kind of love. I sometimes just still struggle with the guy who's trying to get in front of me on, you know, Highway 24, which I'm learning the traffic patterns of 24. That's, it's crazy. And uh, when weekend comes, and I'm trying to figure out all these different side roads, getting lost. It's fun. And, 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 but I'm, I'm still getting upset with the guy who's trying to get ahead of me. And I'm thinking, who made you king? Why are you doing this? Uh, uh, God, forgive me. I need God's spirit to help me love just like he loves. So now when I read from Galatians 5.13, you know about, you know, brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. When I read that now, now I realize how great the debt of my sin really is. I also realize how fiercely strong that the love of God is that broke the chains of sin to set me free. And I finally realized that freedom had come at a cost. And in my case... In particular, the cost was not very cheap. I'm called to humble myself, to deny myself, and serve others so that that same love and that same freedom can flow through me to others and not use that freedom to indulge my flesh. I mean, and, and sometimes we say these things, and it sounds good, and, and, and we, we hear it, we love what we're reading on, on the screen with the scripture and everything else, but I want to ask you today, do you believe that it is possible for you to be filled in the, with the Spirit in such a way that you can truly love someone like Jesus does? If so, how then is it possible to love? How is it possible to sacrifice? How is it possible to humble yourself and serve as Jesus did? First, I want you to understand this. I want us to understand that worship is service. John Wesley said, one of the principal rules of religion is to lose no occasion of serving God. And since he is invisible to our eyes, we are to serve him in our neighbor, which he receives as if done to himself in person, standing visibly before us. What a beautiful understanding. When I love you, and I love you well, I'm actually loving God and loving God well. Do you you capture what It's being stated here. It's the same with the heart of Mother Teresa when she said, you know what, with every diseased, malnourished, lice-ridden, leprous, and filthy face that she served, she said, I saw the face of Jesus when I looked into their eyes. We need a church. You want to talk about a revolution. I love what he's saying about revolution. We need a revolution in this, how we see our community, because I'm telling you, in every person, there is Jesus waiting to come alive. Amen? Jesus himself sought to explain his heart to us when he stated, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This love that drives us to serve as worship to God does not come natural. It's not easy for us. In fact, it makes it harder that knowing that we've been set free because we just want to bask in the glow of freedom, right? 
And I mean, it's the same thing as being citizens of this nation. We just want to bask in the glow of the freedom. Thank you for our forefathers and for our fathers and our mothers and, 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 and all the ones who have served, and that's great. I just like to bask in the glow of the freedom of our country. Thank you for doing the hard work for me. Well, I'm going to tell you, in the family of God, we're all to join in to the work of the revolution. So we are warned, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Jesus taught us this, and his teaching went way beyond a classroom lecture. It went way beyond the Sunday school room. Jesus' teachings was real life in the streets. It was a practical example of servanthood. And, and I'm telling you, just ask the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide you. He will do it, and he'll take you into directions you never thought you would ever be able to go in before. I remember when I was pastoring in Castle Rock, Colorado, and I had I was praying, God, how do I minister to this community right around the church here? And, and the church was actually in a warehouse there, and it was in a business district of, the, of that, that town. And, and so I just felt like God was saying, you know what, Matt? I want you to be a chaplain to all of these businesses around this church. And so I did. I went out, and some of them were like, no, nope, we don't need anything from you. But many of them were very receptive, and they said yes. And there was a car uh, lot up at the corner, and, and I was talking to the owner of that one day, and he says, I really need you to speak with my mechanic here. He's going through a rough time. He said, whatever you need to do. So I needed my oil change, so I took the car there, and I began to talk to him. And he's under the hood of the car, and as I'm speaking to him, and, and I, I say, well, uh, my name is Matt. So what, what's your name? And he shared his name right after he made a big grunt. Urgh. And I was like, I said, well, how's your day going? And I'm not kidding you, and I'm not exaggerating. He was like, Urgh. And I thought, oh, man, I'm just making this guy mad. He's trying to do his work, and I'm just bugging him. But I asked another question again, just met with this gruff. Urgh. And I thought, okay, Lord, I tried. I tried. You, you put him here before me. I tried. I did my best. I'm good. Well, I said, so, well, well thank you. It's, it's, it's good, to, uh, good to meet you, and I hope you have a good day. I'll, I'll talk to you when you get back. And I felt checked in my spirit. Matt, don't give up yet. And so I was like, well, what do I say? I mean, this guy's just grunting at me the whole time. And so I said, well, I said, I, I, I'm the pastor down at the Connection Church. The Nazareth. I said, if you want to ever just need a prayer or something, you know, just let me know. I'll, I'll be here for you, or you can just come down, whatever you want. And he looked up, and I was like, oh boy, here, I've done it now. <laughs> he looked up at me, and I mean, this big, strong guy, and he, tears start coming down his eyes. And all he said to me was, my wife left me yesterday. That was the beginning of quite an amazing relationship. <laughs> and, and here it was this. Is, I, just, I just asked, Jesus, would you just open my heart to the people that you're placing in my, in my pathway? And I would like to say to you, I do that perfectly all the time. I don't. I'm still a work in progress. But I'm telling you, when you do, when you begin to see this community, when you begin to see one another with Christ-like eyes, miracles begin to happen. I was reminded 
as I was preparing, and I had all of these different ideas. I didn't know where I was going today, and you're probably thinking, you still don't know where you're going. Listen to you. That's fine. That's fine. You, I, I can handle it. And, but, <laughs> but I was reminded of someone, someone actually in this room, but I'm not going to say in case this just doesn't go well, but he reminded me of this, uh, this guy. Do you know the guy who was, he's on TV. His name is Emeril, you know, and he's this cook. And, and he, he does this cooking thing, and he's, I don't know his background, if it's Cajun or, I don't know, but he's, he's just got all, he's very flamboyant, he's just got all of these ideas, and, and next thing you know, he's, he's doing all these things, he's cooking something up, and, and it may, next thing you know, and you're, if you're not watching, you're, it'll scare you, because he'll go, bam! And it's like something magical must have happened in the pot, I guess, right then. Because everybody who eats it after he does that says, this was good stuff. And so I'm, I'm thinking, and, and, and I was sharing, I wish this was my original story, but it's not. But I, but I, I, th- I thought was, he was sharing this with me. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, and the idea behind that is this, is we have to have those moments where God goes, bam, in our life. But if we don't have eyes to see what he is cooking, you hear me? It'll never happen. It'll never happen. We need to have one of those moments where it's a God-bam moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't hear what I didn't say. <laughs> Whoa, and then I'm going to fall off the thing. Uh, here's the deal. is I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit is already alive and active. He's doing great things. He's doing it beyond the walls of this church. We have to catch up. And we will. There's no doubt about it. There's a great story in... And, and, and it goes along with this scripture that, that states to us, you know, that we are called not to be conformed to this world, but we are called to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What is it that renews us? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm, Billy Graham shared this story years ago, and he says there's an Eskimo fisherman, and he's trying to help us understand what it means and how it, how it should work for us to be able to just be transformed like this. And he says there's this Eskimo fisherman, and he came to town every Saturday afternoon, and he always brought two dogs with him. One dog was white, and one dog was black, and he had taught them to fight on command. And every Saturday afternoon in the town square, the people would gather and he would watch these two dogs and they would just go at it and go at it and go at it and battle. And the fishermen would take bets on which one was going to win. And on one Saturday, the black dog would win and on the another Saturday, the white dog would win. But the fishermen always seemed to win. His friends began to ask him, how are you doing this? And finally, after he had just worn out his welcome in that town, he said, well, here's how I do it. I starve the one, and I feed the other. The one that I feed always wins, because that's the one that's always stronger. You hear me? I'm going to ask you today, which dog are you feeding in your life? If you struggle to answer that question, maybe this might help. Ask yourself, if everyone in this church looked like me, what would this church look like? Which dog are you feeding in the fight? Some of you are still thinking, well, this all sounds great. I love the theory of it, but I have asked God to help me with a temper. I've asked him to help me with lust or an addiction or hate, and it's just not working. What can you say to me? The thing that I can say to you is the same thing that I say to myself. It's this, keep in step with the Spirit. Feed the Spirit in your life. 
don't feed the things that are going to bring you down. And push them far enough. I mean, you want to know social distancing. The best thing is spiritual distancing when it comes to the things that you're struggling with. If you're struggling with something, I don't care what... I, I love the mountain bike. But I'm telling you, if mountain biking got between me and Jesus, that bike's going to be at least six feet away at all times. You hear me? Amen? Keep in step with the Spirit. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Feed that Spirit within you. You need to pray in the Spirit daily. You need to yield to the Spirit with a disciplined approach. It takes discipline to say no to me and to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Paul says it was like beating his body into submission. Sometimes we, we will say to ourselves, well, you know, I, I would follow the Holy Spirit if I knew he was where he was leading me. <laughs> if I just had a blueprint, God, if you would just put it on the wall, have you been there? If you just tell me, I would do it. And I often kind of just kind of, well, maybe we would, maybe we wouldn't, because you know what, Moses, I mean, he had it right from the burning bush, and he's, what did he do? Hey, would you go tell, you could tell Kevin to do it? <laughs> And we, but, but we want to have that 20-year plan, but I'm going to tell you, I think it's on purpose that Paul says we need to keep in step with the Spirit because it's not always a 20-year plan. Sometimes it's just one step in front of the other when we're following the Holy Spirit. So when you find yourself in line at the grocery store asking, maybe, God, how how can I say something to this person who's running the register that might add value to them and to their day? How should I pray for this person that's standing in front of me? How should I work with this individual who I met at our kids' school event? Reveal to me how I should interact with so-and-so today. Give me the right words to say as I meet new people. It's not about just the 20 years. It's about the next step being led by the Holy Spirit. Well, I close with this. I know this isn't politically correct, but here we go. Uh, keep it simple, stupid. K-I-S-S, you've probably heard of it. Keep it simple, stupid. I hope you'll give me a pass today, but it, it works well, not only in the business world, but it works very well for our spiritual walk also. At times we may hear a brother and sister say something like, well, I'm a good person, I'm doing the best I can. I mean, how good is good enough? And for Paul, when it comes to the authenticity of our walk, he says basically, keep it simple, stupid. Meaning, is Jesus alive in you or not? I mean, we all understand. We all know that. We all can answer that. Is Jesus really alive in you or not? Just take a long, hard look at yourself today because in the very end, when you see Jesus face to face and it's your day of judgment, you're not going to be able to say, well, you know what? You sent us that awful pastor, Matt, and I would have been a much better Christian if it wasn't for him. He's not going to care about that. He's going to be looking at you in the eye. Amen? I mean, even a child can know this. It says in Scripture, 
that Jesus called the little children to him. He placed them on, uh, the child on them. And, and, and he, he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes there's simplest questions, some of the things that we can make so hard and we can make so complicated. And you just ask your kid and they would tell you, hey, dad, you're screwing up. Hey, dad, you're not acting like Jesus today. The question, I remember when I was seven years old, something changed inside of me. And no one had to tell me. There was an evangelist there. He didn't have to tell me what was happening. My parents didn't have to tell me what was happening. As a seven-year-old, I knew Jesus was calling me to be a pastor. And that can only come from him. But this childlike faith begs the question, is Jesus living in you or not? Watch this with me. to this community we have the answer that people are looking for 
Are we delivering the goods? Are we, are we, are we willing to stand up to someone as powerful and influential as a guy like Howard Stern in a whole panel of judges and say, oh no, the one who's living in me is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? And does our life back it up? That's what we need, church. That's exactly what, I'm going to fall off of here eventually. I might as well just come on down. That's what our world needs. And so I'm just telling you today, last week, you know, I set the trajectory. I said, you know, our God can do the impossible. We need to realize that God can do amazing things through people that we never thought could ever happen. But I'm going to tell you today, it happens because we are yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I do love the church of the Nazarene. And here's the reason why is because we believe that in the Spirit, all things are possible. So today, you might be thinking, well, I... I don't know how to answer that question. I'll go back to this. Ask your child, your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter. Those four to nine are usually the most devastatingly honest. Go to them first. Am I living like Jesus? Can you see Jesus in me? They'll tell you. And Paul, remember, he breaks it down like this. If you're living where you're having fits of rage and selfishness and dissensions and factions and envy and all these things, you're not going to get it. You're not going to make the kingdom of heaven. But if the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if those are evident in you, guess what? Ah, You're walking in the spirits because we can see it. As we move together in this new chapter, we must do it in the power of the Spirit. You know this verse, say it with me, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Well, I I wasn't really planning that, but if if right now you are sensing maybe God is just saying, you know what, I'm... I need to take a deeper step or I need to move deeper into Christ. I need to be leaning more on him and less on my understanding. Maybe God is challenging you right now and convicting you right now. And this would be a great time, a great, perfect place for us to say, you know what? I surrender all. I mean, it's one thing for us to say, just as I am, right? It's easy to say, just as I am. But I'm going to tell you the holiness is this. It's going from just as I am to I surrender all. And so maybe today there's something that just needs to be surrendered. You just need to put back on that childlike faith. Now, I'm not talking about putting your brain, checking your brain out at the door. I'm talking about I believe with all that I am. This altar, it's always open. And there's nothing magical or bam in the wood of this altar. But here's the amazing thing about the altar. It's us kneeling and it's our heart posturing before God saying, you know what? You are in control. I kneel to you, God, and I kneel to you alone. Maybe today is the day that you would like to just put it on. Maybe today is the day where you say, you know what, I'm starting, we're going to start a new chapter together. Let's do this right. And let's just allow the Spirit to be in control of each one of us. 
if you'd stand with me as we close today, maybe if you, if you, you would feel led to come to the altar. If not, posture your hearts there, right where you're at. But regardless of what it is, let's make this an I surrender all moment. Amen. And let's start this new chapter right under the power of the Holy Spirit. God, today we come to you and we are thankful for all that you have done, all that you are going to do, all that you're doing right now in this moment. I'm thankful for how, God, you have been speaking through through your word to write directly to our hearts. Each one of us has heard a specific message tailor-made for each one of us. And God, I'm thankful that your spirit is powerful enough to do that, to just be that winnowing fork that just kind of gets right into the point of our need. And so today I pray that you will help us as your church, help me first as the pastor to just be and set the example. But God, I pray more than that, that you will just fill me completely from my head to my toe with the power of your Holy Spirit because I need you to lead us forward. And I pray the same over these people. I pray, God, that you will fill them from their head to their toe. I pray, God, that they will know the blessings of being a child of God. I pray, Lord, that they will know God with confidence through all that they are, even in the ups and in the downs, God, that there is a Lord that has died for them and is filling them and giving them joy, even in the midst of the pain. You're giving them purpose. I pray, God, that you are do that today in the life of each person And we pray this not for our glory, not that you lift up Woodland Life Center. We're playing to give you glory, God. We're here to worship you and lift you up and you alone. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, God, for great district leadership. Thank you, God, for a great church that you've taken care of and molded and brought to this point. And I am looking forward to the day the days ahead, Lord, as you continue to reveal your plans and your wills and your way. I pray, God, for victory in Jesus' name every day. Amen and amen. Well, it's been good to be together. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. You are dismissed in the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus today. Amen.